All right, Ben, how are you doing this week? Doing well, Mike. Thank you for uh, having me back here once again. we got a great show coming up for everybody, and what a weekend for the Bruins. I mean, talk about overachieving, right? Not, I, not overachieving, just achieving what they achieved for the rest of the year. I mean, what a... What a road trip. What a special road trip. I talk about entertainment value. You had loads of scoring in Seattle. You had the goalie scoring in Vancouver. You had them beating McDavid in, in Edmonton. And then, you know, Allmark steals the game last night in Calgary. I mean, one of the best goaltending performances you could ever hope to see. But so four games since we last chatted. Did you see, did you see much of them, Ben? I did. I got a real good opportunity to watch the uh, uh, the Calgary game in full. I caught from the second period on for the Oilers game, which was quite a ruckus first part of it. And I mean, the finish was amazing. But uh, the whole swing, man, it's, it's just been such a ride. Whether it's the highlight reel or the whole deal, I mean, this team is just flat magic. I mean, yeah. We were talking earlier, Larry Justice was mentioning, he said, all things in hockey, ride the roller coaster. When are the Bruins going to ride theirs? And I said, da, 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 that's enough out of you for right now, my friend. We're going to enjoy what we got yeah. right now. <laughs> we'll get to the, I want to review the road trip a little bit because it was so unique, but you got to give Don Sweeney a ton of credit for this trade that he made. It's a really intelligent trade made with the Washington Capitals to fill some needs. Um, he didn't poke any holes in his current lineup. Just had draft picks and a used-up Craig Smith. You know, it's, I mean, Craig Smith was a pretty good player, but somehow lost his legs or lost his way, and you know that that's not going to hurt them. Um, and it's no explaining how he can go so quickly from a decent player to one that wasn't so good. But he lost his zest, so they don't really lose anything except future prospects in the draft. And what do they get in return? Well. I don't think anybody thought they were going to get Dmitry Orlov's scoring machine, but he's been, he is, he's about six foot, maybe not even six foot feet, um, maybe 215. And he's tough as nails. He doesn't have to fight, but he, he can move the puck just fine. He can shoot it a ton. And uh, he's a good skater, top four defenseman, really, in my mind. He's a, uh, certainly no worse than a fifth defenseman. And that's why you're going to see all these guys like, Oh, Carlos sat out or Grizzlick will sit out and who knows how Clifton sat out once. Um, and the, all those guys have been having pretty good years. So I don't know if this will, the one thing I worry about is, will anybody get their nose out of joint because they have to sit, you know, he gets sent to the press box. It's not cool. And it's, you really feel out of it. But I think given what I know about Montgomery, he can explain it away. I mean, they know they're going to get dinged up in the playoffs. And so they know that Orlov is a great acquisition, a depth player that can help win when it counts in April and May. But in the meantime, people are going to have to accept the fact that it's not a bad deal to take a seat once in a while. And that's a hard sell sometimes. But we've talked about the schedule a ton of times. And I know they're going to get a few days off here coming up next week. But, you know, it. They come right back from Calgary traveling today and they're going to play a plucky Buffalo Sabres team. Uh, and then, it's, you know, after a little bit of a break after the weekend, it's just a grind. So anyway, they pick up Orlov. There's no doubt that they were looking at uh, Chikorin in Arizona. They couldn't get the Coyotes to take money, apparently. Uh, Luke Shen was available, but Orlov is a, a much better player than than. Shen will ever be. And I think that Orlov is just a great compliment to, to the uh, Bruins defense. Garrett Hathaway, um, different type of guy, but a guy that you like. I'm going to ask Keith Jones. We're going to have Keith Jones on in a little while. He's going to know both of these guys pretty well. Um, he's a different story because he's, he's really sort of a larger version of, a version of Marshan in terms of attitude, not in terms of skill, but in terms of, of attitude. He gets, you're not a heavyweight fighter, but he's, he's a guy that will just irritate the hell out of you. And, you know, it's two great pickups and they've both proven their worth in the short time that they've been here. Orlov with his game last night, but that Hathaway with a great pass to uh, Zaka and in, in, in Edmonton, it's, it's a really, uh, it's a great deal for Boston and they filled a lot of holes without damaging them. What's your take on it, Ben? 
initially when we saw the deal before all the details were out where you found out Minnesota had to get involved, they took a fifth-round pick out of this deal, held some salary back, helped out both teams. I mean, what a deal. I I mean, you, as a former GM yourself, you know trade time is the craziest time of all in the hockey world, but it's it's crazy to see it unfold like that. Initially off the bat, uh, a lot of folks that I was talking to weren't very happy with the cost, a first-round pick, a bunch of other things. I mean, Craig Smith, like you said, you know, thanks for thanks for coming, buddy, but obviously there's some other play, better players we needed out there. But then after you see these guys on ice, you go, you know what, maybe that first-round pick was well spent after all because they have applied and they are already on the score sheet. Orlov with a multi-point night last night. Uh, I love Garnett Hathaway's physical play. Gets right on out there, has no problem throwing the body around. You know, uh, good Australian kid. You know, it's it's exactly what you look for in the hockey world. But we got him now. He's a Bruin, and uh, it, it's amazing how quickly you can go from, I'm not a big fan of this guy, to, man, this guy's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's right. As long as he changes his sweater, like, he's done. He can fit right in. Right. But anyway, the, the trip was started in Seattle against a Kraken team that can score goals. And, man, was this a wild game. Back and forth. Is it? When you're a little kid and you want to go to a Bruins game, this is the kind of game you want to see. You don't want to see one nothing or 2-1. You want to see tons of goals, and you got it in spades in Seattle. It was uh, it was the kind of game that showed the Bruins could win, you know, even while they were giving up more goals than they normally do, that they could still hang in there. Just, just once again saying we can play any type of game that you throw at us and still come out on top. And that's the way I felt about Seattle. Vancouver, you know, Vancouver is blah. It's a blah. It's a blah town. It's a blah. It's a, it's a blah team, and uh, it was a blah game. But the highlight, of course, with Linus Olmark was the firing the puck the length of the ice directly into the middle of the net for his first goal of his career. And did he have a celebration or what? Oh, that was beautiful. Ride the bench, man. Make it happen. You know, uh, Jack and uh, Andy really had the call great for that one. Ride that bench, buddy. And uh, man, did he. I didn't realize this, Mike. I mean, I guess it was something that I never really stopped to consider or think about, but I never knew that no Bruins goaltender had ever scored a goal in the league. And again, not the kind of stat that you think of on the daily, certainly, but, uh, you know, you think back to all the Bruins greats and, you know, Cheevers never potted one, came close, never potted one. Tuca in all the years he was here, came close, never potted one. And now all of a sudden, Here's Linus Olmark making sure that the eight-spoke B is on that list forever and ever. And that was just so cool to be able to watch that live. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, and he, he, the pure joy that he just he exhibited afterwards was, you know, made it even better. Uh, they moved on to Edmonton. And Edmonton always, you know, when you say Edmonton, you say McDavid. And McDavid was, you know, putting on a show. But you could always, you could see already in this one that was, a little bit of uh, fatigue is already beginning to set in with some of the key players. And that's why it was important that you see a guy like Nosek get on the scoreboard and you see a guy like Felino get on the scoreboard. Um, but, you know, McDavid is just almost unstoppable when it comes to scoring goals and he manages to tie up the game, but it's not over until it's over. And it's, it wasn't over then. And the Bruins found another way to win. And, and a tight game against a team that, you know, had a good run in the playoffs last year. Um, I don't think they're going to make – I don't think they're going to be a force in the playoffs myself. I mean, this is a team that doesn't know how to play defense. I mean, there was the one – the Felino goal uh, was one defenseman coming back on the play, McDavid, who turned the puck over at the blue line, started to go towards one, one player – towards Foligno then changed his mind and went over to uh, went over to Coyle but it was too late and that wound up with a defenseman being confused and all of a sudden the puck's in the back of the net I don't think this you know I'm going to ask Keith Jones about this coach because I, I I don't see them playing solid defense and if you know if you're not playing solid defense you're not going to win a championship and these guys have so much talent up front they're going to need the structure in order to win it what do you think Absolutely hit it on the head. You know, this team is obviously when they're clicking on offense, they're clicking, man, and it's hard to stop that train. But 
the second you put up some opposition, they start to fold a bit back, and I'm sure that's going to be very frustrating for high-end players like Connor McDavid, who are clearly searching for something above and beyond, i.e. the cup. And, you know, when you have teammates that are being paid the amount of money that they're being paid and not producing on the defensive side where they're supposed to, I mean, I've never seen a team win a Stanley Cup with pure offense and no defense at all. Have you? No. um, You know, even the great Edmonton teams who had a dynasty for a while, they met up against the Islanders in 1983, I think it was. And they, they went to the final, were beaten by the Islanders. And as they left the building, the Oilers and Gretzky's mentioned this on several occasions, peeked into the Islanders locker room and saw a group of beaten and battered Islander players. And they realized that they had to pay a higher price if they wanted to win the Stanley Cup championship. And that, that price comes at sacrificing yourself for blocking shots or playing some defense when, you know, it's not, it's not easy to do. And the Oilers have not learned that. Uh, I don't know that the coach knows how to do it, um, but it certainly was, you know, helpful to the Bruins cause. And let me, before I move on from the Edmonton game, it was Zaka again with, with, a, with another big play. I mean, this guy is, you know, I have to say I was wrong about him. I thought he was just an average third line player, but it looks like he played stop six. And what a great steal for Don Sweeney. Seriously, I mean, when you talk about the the players' evolution that are on this team right now, it's so hard to fathom how you were able to assemble them all in one team this year. I mean, you got a lot of pieces from a lot of different teams that came from just this offseason, you know? And the fact that it's all clicking on all cylinders like this, that that room chemistry must be something else this season. I mean, with Berge and Krejci and... Poster coming into his own now. I mean, they just visited Lucic. All granted, they beat the snot out of him a little bit. But, you know, it, it's it's like a tour. You got Chris Kelly on the bench. I mean, you might as well still be riding that 2011 yeah. team for all intents and purposes. When well, are they going to sign Johnny Boychuk as the new assistant coach? Let's not get excited too, too fast here. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference with Keith Jones coming up. We'll be back in a minute. Are you hungry? You got some people coming over and you need food fast? Well, call Angelina's in Braintree, the home of the Jumbo. Angelina's has a deal you simply can't pass up. For a limited time, receive $15 off any order over $150. Angelina's is famous for their hand-tossed Italian-style pizzas, fresh-cut salads, and their subs are Jumbo. Maybe you just need to feed the family tonight. Receive $5 off any $25 purchase. And Angelina's delivers. Call them at 781-843-7827 to place your order. You can also order online at angelinasjumbo.com. So my guest today is Keith Jones from TNT. Keith, where are you today? I'm in Vegas, buddy. I just got in late last night. I flew in from Florida and uh, settled in here. Met a couple of buddies there for a cocktail last night and then uh, grabbed a good night's sleep and ready for some hockey tonight. Um it's a pretty interesting matchup, right? Carolina and, and Vegas, both teams have made a couple of trades, nothing real major, but like everybody else, it seems like it's been busy. Yeah, it, it is interesting when you look at Carolina because it's not a team that jumps out to me that necessarily needs to do a whole lot because they played so well as a team this year. Um, I think they're still a legitimate threat to some of the teams in the Eastern Conference, but it's kind of a show me. Right, they haven't been able to get past on a couple of different occasions when they looked like they were good enough to do that. So, you know, you hope there's enough options there that Rod Brindamore can, you know, guide this team to a long playoff run. But the Eastern Conference is really tough. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the conference. I want to do a rundown of the conference. The teams are really they have loaded up. But let's start with this Bruins team. I mean, this is just the road trip 4-0, and and they won in every type of fashion. Well, they've got it all, right? I mean, that's that's what happens when you have a team that's got toughness, uh, leadership, you know, coming out the wazoo. They've got so many different players that can contribute in so many different ways. Uh, they've got a coach that's on it in Jim Montgomery that really seems to know what buttons to push. They've got an outstanding goaltending duo. I mean, the list is just long. So when you have those type of teams, it's not unusual to win as much as they do and find different ways 
uh, to win those yeah, games, and they're doing it all. They, yeah, last night was remarkable show by Omar. But tell me about the two guys they picked up from the Caps. You know them pretty well, Orlov and Hathaway. Yeah, perfect Bruins. I mean, Hathaway's got attitude. He's pesky. He's tough enough to fight the middleweights. He's not going to fight the big boys, but when the playoffs roll around, you don't have to. Um, he will show up and fight those guys. He's not going to do very well, but he is a willing uh, kind of Bruin type player that the fans there are going to love and enjoy watching play. And for Orloff, he's an all around defender. I mean, he's not perfect offensively, but he can provide offense like you saw last night. He's solid. He's in great physical condition. He hits when necessary. Um, he is a really good three. And I think that just gives Boston that much more depth and another left-handed shooting defenseman as an option to play in all situations. It's a luxury. Yeah, I've liked him for a long time. And he, he, can, uh, he can do it on both sides of the ice too, which is a real luxury for a coach to have. And especially now that they have seven guys that they're going to have to rotate in and out, having Orlov sh shift from left to right side is a is a luxury. Yeah, you would know that better than I I do, but it's unusual in today's game. You know, so many teams are looking for you know the right combination of lefties and righties, and rarely do players play on the offside. So uh, I'd be interested on in your take on that. Well, I, whenever I played the offside, the right side, I was lost, completely lost. I, I had, it was my sense of space and surroundings was just confused. And uh, invariably it led to some great chances or some goals by the opposition. I just, I couldn't figure it out. But then again, I was, sometimes I was playing with Brad Park, who was a lefty playing the right side and he had no trouble with it. That's for sure. But um Having these two guys gives them depth. Do you think they need anything else? Uh, I don't. I think they've got enough. But I, I, I'm hearing there's a couple of guys banged up, though, right? I think Felino. Felino got banged up last night. Taylor Hall is, uh, you know, you know how it is with injuries. You don't know what it is, but it's not supposed to be that serious. He, uh, yeah. he went home on the road trip. So we'll see what happens there. But that's it's the start of uh, intense hockey. And you're going to see some of that attrition from time to time. but. They do seem to have enough depth right now to get through it. But I was wondering, you know, you see the Rangers trade for Kane. Do the Bruins need another score? Do they need another asset that way? It doesn't seem like they should have to be. No, know, they don't. Sell on the farm. Yeah, they don't need to. No, they've done enough. I think everybody else is trying to adjust and try to chase them down. I don't think the Bruins need to do another thing. I, I'm, I've been impressed with what they've done. And I like that they just didn't sit there and kind of hold fort with the players that they had. They they made a couple of adjustments on the fly. And, you know, you're going to need to. They they needed to with as many different teams that are doing everything they can to try to win a cup this year, especially at the Eastern Conference. The Bruins did a nice job getting ahead of it. Uh, the the conference is crazy. I mean, you got Carolina tonight. We mentioned Carolina. They I want to go through the teams that they – they need to get through at some point or another versus Carolina, the closest to them. They've only lost 11 games. They lost Pacioretty for the season, right? Yeah. Um, uh, if you look at the goaltenders, Allmark and Swayman, you'd have to give the edge over Anderson and Ranta to the Bruins, wouldn't you? Yes, because both goalies in Carolina have question marks on their health and their willingness to, to battle through injuries. Uh, it's never been, you know, a good thing for Anderson. Uh, anytime he's been hurt, he's been hurt for an extended period of time. And there's always been question marks kind of floating around those injuries. So strength and goal for the Bruins without question. And on the blue line, McAvoy, Lindstrom, Brent Birds, Jake Slavin. Who's got the edge there? Slavin's an incredible defenseman. I mean, it's, uh, it's funny how – how good that guy is and how underrated he is still. He, he's a player. Um, I would say that the blue lines are comparable. I would actually give a minor edge to the Bruins. 
with the addition of Orlov. I think that did a lot for them. Uh, Carolina gets a little thin on the last little bit on their blue line, but they're very good. It is a strength of their team, no doubt. And up front, you know, the Bruins have Pasternak. They've got Marchand. They've got Zaka, looks like an all-star now. I mean, he's playing playing just out of his gourd. Um, but if you look across the sheet to Carolina, they've got some pretty good forwards, Svechnikov, Aho. But it gets a little thin after that in terms of scoring, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, their strength is they're fast. I mean, that, right. that's something that you can't underestimate. They have team speed, and they really use it to their advantage. They score by committee. They're not going to outstar you. And, you know, I think we've seen it enough time following as many playoff series as we did at NBC that the stars rise to the top. And the more you have more guys like Patrick Kane are capable of, you know, having a game that carries a team through a game seven, uh, the better off you are. And that's something that Carolina does not have. So when you're looking for that big moment and that big goal, the Bruins have more guys that can provide that. Carolina can do it if they're playing their game to perfection, out working, out skating the opposition, but they don't have star power. And I think a lot of championships are won on the back of star players. Uh, Tampa most recently and Colorado, of course. You can look to the stars for the reasons that they got the job done. Okay, let's keep moving down the Eastern Conference roster. Pretty good surprise, New Jersey, aren't they? How does their goaltending and Vanacek and Blackwood match up against Boston's? Unknown. Like it's, I don't know. It's hard to measure it until the pressure of the playoffs comes at it. That could be the same thing said for the Bruins netminders as well. Um, the Devils' blue line is much improved, and I think the goaltending has benefited because of that. And Tom Fitzgerald did a really good job and, you know, picking up Marino from Pittsburgh, who's another underrated defender that does a really good job. Uh, Graves, the, the big kid that played with McCarr in, in uh, Colorado, is a solid defender, former Ranger prospect. Um, and Hamilton has played very well for them. But can Dougie Hamilton hold up to a series of a team going after him every shift and getting inside his grill and, you know, starting to get uh, to the uh, to the inner thoughts of Dougie. I don't know. I mean, that's one <laughs> thing that I'm not sure. It's it's a little different during the regular season when teams are just playing. Uh, when you get in a playoff series and you start to really dive into individual players and try to dissect them to see what advantage you can gain and where you can gain it. I don't know that the Devils' blue line has enough there for to sustain going in a series against the Bruins. But um, their forwards certainly match up pretty well, don't they? Hughes, Heischer, now Meyer, Bratz had a hell of a year. They have enough offense to play with the Bruins, do they not? Yeah, they do. And they've got some toughness too. And Miles Wood doesn't mind getting in there. And he's a speedy player that will step up and defend his teammates. McLeod has done a really good job there as a you know, kind of a player to counteract some of what the Bruins are going to bring on the, in their bottom six. Uh, they, they've got some bastions, another kid, a big kid that's got some toughness to them. They've got some guys that don't mind it. I think Brendan Smith's around there too, if I'm not mistaken, on the back end. Yeah, he, he is. Can, yeah, he can add something to you as far as physicality goes. So the speed and skill of Hughes and Heischer is without and Brad really stands out to me. Uh, the kid Mercer is a very good young player now, but again, they're unproven in playoff situations. So that would be the thing the Bruins will, you know, want to go after. Sometimes a team that's not been there before doesn't know any better either. And they just go out and play. And the Bruins want to make sure that if they ever play the devils in a series that they don't allow that to happen, they've got to make sure the game is played at their pace. So, um, you'd still give the edge both against Carolina or New Jersey to Boston right now, right? Yeah, no doubt. The one guy you should mention on the Devils is Palat, who is a big-time playoff performer. And I had a chance to watch him up close last year when I was down between the benches when he was with Tampa. He's a difference maker. He 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 could be a problem. He, he can really elevate his game when the playoffs roll around. So having Palat and Meyer both 
manning the left side. That That is going to be a challenge for any team. But the Bruins are the better team. So let's match up against Toronto. Boy, they got busy, didn't they? Their GM, Dubas, was just uh, working the phones and making all sorts of things happen. And he still has the, you know, the nemesis of the Boston Bruins looming ahead of him. But he put all those chips on the table this time around, didn't he? Yeah, I just don't know what he got. I mean, it's like they didn't fix their goaltending. I mean, you can count on, you know. Is Murray back healthy? Do you know, is Murray healthy again? He's he's close. I mean, is he ever healthy? I mean, you've seen him. He's got those little tiny legs. If you drive the net hard against him and Taylor Hall goes crashing in there in game number one, that's it. You know, you won't see him again. Um, He's pretty fragile. So the goaltending is not, you know, necessarily what jumps out to me as a, you know, the type of net minded you need to win a Stanley cup, but their forwards are outstanding. They do have some grit now to protect guys like Bunting, who's a little rat out there, but can also play a little bit. Um, Yeah. They've tried to fill every hole they have. I, I don't get the Sandine trade to Washington, to be honest with you. I think he's a very good player. I, uh, the Gustafson, you get him in a playoff situation. I'll be shocked if he could perform well. I mean, I, he was in Philly and then went to Montreal, and I give him credit. He played really well in Washington. Um, but I, I, I haven't – I have never seen it consistently in his game. I wonder if he'll even dress when the playoffs start on their back end. McCabe's been a good performer, solid this year for Chicago, but he's limited. And I, I, I don't think their blue line stands up to anything near to what the Bruins have. But this – the the arsenal begins with the forwards, right? I mean, you got Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Now O'Reilly adds to the mix. Who am I missing in that group? There's a lot of them. Tavares. Yeah, Tavares I mean, is there. Bunting can play in the top six too. Like, they, yeah, they have Nylander's cool as a cucumber. He's the he is the one guy that could be the X factor in a series against them because nothing bothers that guy. He's just going to play the same way, and he's going to do his thing. And when he's on, he can be really good. Um, extremely creative, much like his father, but more talented, which is saying a lot because Michael Nylander was a, a very good player. Um, Marner can take it to another level, but has he ever done that in the playoffs? The answer is no. Um, it's it's The Bruins want to make sure that they have enough guys to bother the stars of the Maple Leafs and make it uncomfortable for them. And that's the one way that you can get past past that team. But I think that's why, you know, Toronto picked up Lafferty and added to some of their team toughness, getting that recipe from Tampa Bay going back three years ago when they started to add those type of players to their lineup before the playoffs arrived. But still, edge Boston, correct? Yes. Yeah. Clear edge. That brings us to Tampa Bay. Is the window closed? Is it still cracked open a little? It's still cracked open, buddy. It's, <laughs> really? still, it's hard to, yeah. when you talk about Vasilevsky, start with Vasilevsky. Yeah. There's the, what's the like, one goaltender in the league that you could say is probably as least as good as Allmark is playing right now and has proven himself in the playoffs. So you'd have to kind of give them an edge, if small, off the bat. 100%. And I'd say it's even, it's bigger than that. Like, I, I think it's a major edge because – He's done it for as long as he has, and he's done it under adverse circumstances in the playoffs with an ever-changing lineup. I mean, they've added pieces at the end of pretty much every trade deadline in order to, you know, put their team over the top, and that Breezeball has done a great job in that regard. He's given up everything. I mean, all the draft choices are gone, picking up Tanner Janot, but they don't How do you read him? How do you – how was Tanner Janot? He's a player. player he is he? You would love him. You'd absolutely love him. He'd be, if you coached him, he would be one of your favorite guys. He fights anybody on the opposition. It does not matter to him who it is. He's in their face a lot and scored 24 goals last year. The, the puck has not fallen for him this year. Uh, pretty much the same story for most players in Nashville. But he can play on your power play if, you, if necessary, out front of the net. He's a penalty killer. He gets there. He's better than Barkley Goudreau. And uh, that's saying a lot because Goudreau's had a very that good is. 
playoff career, but uh, there's a reason they had to spend as much as they did in order to get him from Nashville. So he, he does add to their mix. And then you throw in, you know, Pat Maroon, who's always going to be a pain in the butt. You've got, uh, and score some big goals along the way. You've got Corey Perry still there. Who's still got something left. You got Belmar. They got a very good bottom six. And then you've got Braden point playing like he's capable of playing right now. Last year in the playoffs, he, he wasn't himself. This year he is, and so you're adding a superstar talent basically to the mix that wasn't there. Put Kucherov in there as well. You do. You're gonna miss Palat. You're gonna miss McDonough. That's where Definitely. the Bru. That's where the Bruins even things out. So, I do think Boston's better than Tampa. I think I would prefer if I was a Bruins fan that Tampa loses to Toronto, which could happen. Uh, it it would be. I would favor Tampa in that series, but it wouldn't be a bad thing to have them disappear. There's just too much, (laughs) too much playoff pedigree there. And I think you would agree with this, Mike. It's not necessarily um, how you're playing. It can be who you're playing in the playoffs. And sometimes you just don't match up against certain teams. And sometimes some teams just know how to win. Uh, I think we were all happy whenever the devils wouldn't make the playoffs back in the day was Stevens and Danico and all those guys because Embro Duran net. It was a difficult team to get past, and that's how I view Tampa right now. Well, let's take it to the next team on the on the block, the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> boy, did they add some some offense to their lineup with Kane and Tarasenko. Start with the goaltending. Shesterkin had a slow start, but he started to figure it out, right? Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's. He demonstrated last year that he's a world class goaltender. And now has he done it long enough to, you know, feel secure in saying that he is? No, he's got to prove it. Still, he's had moments where he's looked normal this year. Last year he was off the charts, so there is a little bit of a question mark there. Their blue line has, you know, been banged up at times this year. That's going to be important that they hold that together because it's been a strength. You know, with Adam Fox back there. Truba's a very good player. Very tough. So player. is Miller, isn't he? So Miller's is Miller. a great player. Miller's a very good player, Mike. He can skate all day. That was a heck of a draft choice by the Rangers. He's got height, length, good stick, and can make up for a mistake with his speed to get back. So, yeah, they've got a good mix in New York. They really do. Um, I would say the pressure falls on the head coach. I mean, that's a lot of pieces to kind of move around and to keep happy and to get enough ice time and to help them live up to the expectations that are, that come with the number on the back of their jerseys, you know, like a Tarasenko and obviously Kane being there. Uh, All eyes are on the Rangers. I think a lot of people will anoint them as, you know, a team to beat when the playoffs roll around because of the star power. And that doesn't necessarily, uh, in my eyes, mean it's a great thing. I think that type of pressure is a big deal. And uh, for Gerard Gallant, it's going to be a lot to ask for him to get that team through the playoffs. Let's just clean up the rest of the conference. Islanders made a good trade. <clears throat> Bo Horvat yeah. joins the group. <clears throat> Looks like they're going to find their way to the playoffs. Any concerns about them being able to knock off a Bruin-type team? Yeah, no, I don't. Um, you know, that Pellet kid on defense is really good. He's another Jacob Slavin, but just a step under him. I don't think they have enough back there to uh, take a chunk out of the Bruins. Goaltending's outstanding, though. That they that goalie can play. Sorokin's a, he's a talent, and he's his legs are unbelievable, strong, unbelievably strong. Great athlete. So that he could steal a series. That that could be a problem. Um, up front, there's some players that are a little long in the tooth, but they're better slotted now because Horvat's there. I like the Engvall kid that they got from Toronto. I, I don't, uh, I don't have a problem with that. He's he actually can play a little bit. He's kind of weird looking, but he uh, <laughs> <laughs> he can get he can get the job done. He can skate and get in on the forecheck and should help them with their penalty kill. Uh, Lane Lambert, not a lot of experience behind the bench, so. That's something that would be a question mark for me uh, in a playoff series. But they, the Islanders will be their pesky, sel- their pesky uh, selves. That's what they are. I mean, 
they do get in your in your way. They are a bother, and they do have you know some guys like Matt Martin and Clutterbuck and Sezikis that somehow when the playoffs roll around manage to become household names. So uh, it would be a challenge, but I think the Bruins are better. Pittsburgh, they can't quite get it <clears throat> on the track, can they? <clears throat> That's a mess. That's a mess. I mean, it's uh, Hexy went out and you know made sure he kept Malkin and Latang and extended their deals and boy it has not gone the way that you would have expected there they they have players like Jason Zucker they just put Kapanen on waivers who I used to think was going to be a pretty good player but uh, St. Louis ended up picking him up which I think is a good idea from the Blues perspective since they're cleaning it up uh I I just I, I don't see it I mean it's I just don't see the Penguins having the same fire they haven't had it in years Mike when the playoffs have rolled around, that's been early exits. They've managed to make it and kind of kept the dream alive, but have not looked like a team that's contending for a Stanley Cup. And I think they're in, they're not admitting they're in the same position as Washington is this year, but they might squeak in, but I don't think they scare anybody, even with the star power that they have. I think the Penguins' goaltending is probably the biggest bugaboo, and that's something they haven't fixed since Matt Murray left. It's um, <clears throat> sort of a lesson to me that these star players stay with their team for their whole careers when they might be better off moving to another team to give themselves a, a boost and a chance for another cup. Better for everybody. <clears throat> better for everybody. And they shouldn't wait too long. You know, if you have a team that wins a couple of cups or three cups like Chicago does, unload. You know, you end up having a keep these guys and reward them for the, the accomplishments that they've helped you, you and your city achieve. But in the long run, it's going to cost you 10, 15 years if you keep them too long. And you look at Detroit and how long it's taken them to get back. Colorado took a long time to get back. Ray Bork had the right idea when he left Boston. I mean, he, you know, he helped them. He got them some assets. He, he went and won a Stanley Cup in Colorado, not the first year, but the second. Uh, Rob Blake did the same thing when, when he left L.A. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really good stories out there. Players like Matt Sundin that didn't allow the Leafs to trade him, you know, prior to becoming an unrestricted free agent, that hurts the franchise. Like, it, it's not good. And he eventually went on and signed with Vancouver after putting up such a fuss that he wanted to retire a Maple Leaf. Those guys, uh, I think they should be, you know, I think they owe a debt of gratitude to the teams that have kept them for as long as they have, and they should allow themselves to be moved. I think Patrick Kane made the right decision to to go. He had an influence on what team he went to in the Rangers, and that's good. He's earned that, but you shouldn't wait too long. He probably waited too long. You know, <clears throat> quietly, Buffalo is kind of emerging, aren't they? They have some good yeah, young talent. They do. They're getting there. The Tage Thompson kid can play. Um, Tuck's hurt right now. That hurts them. He's had, he's had a lot of injuries in his career, too. But their blue line is improving, Mike, and that's the key. You know, all of the teams we're talking about here, if you don't have a blue line, you're no good. So you, you need to have a blue line in today's game that has a mix of everything. And you better have a number one out there, too. Like, the Bruins are lucky. They got a couple ones. Lindholm's turned into one and wants to be one, which is half the battle. McAvoy is a one and he does it all. But the Bruins, the, sorry, the Sabres uh, have Darlene now and he's a player. He's turned into a very good hockey player. Uh, it took a while, a long time, but he's there. And that's something that's going to help them. And they got the other first-round kid from Michigan that they picked up, too. His name's escaping me right now. But they they have a good young nucleus of players, and that's going to be the strength of that team moving forward. If they continue to build the back end, they'll be fine, but they're not a threat. So we just sort of established the Bruins are the best team in the Eastern Conference, right? Yeah, and they've established that <laughs> themselves all year. I mean, you'd be really hard-pressed to make an argument against that. And they backed it up by – demonstrating on a nightly basis that they know how to win and having Krejci back in the mix seems to be one of the big reasons why that team is 
back being not just a team to make the playoffs, but a team with a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And to me, they're the favorites going in. And, you know, everyone's going to be aiming for them, trying to knock them off. The target's been there really since, what, about week four? They haven't stopped. And it's a copycat league. Everyone wants to beat them right now, but the Bruins have it all in their favor heading to the playoffs. I, I don't think they should be. It's the Eastern Conference that scares me. The Western Conference, other than Colorado, is now starting to get it going again. You know, Vegas and, and L.A. are at the top of the heap right now. Neither one of those teams, I think, I mean, I'm surprised L.A.'s made the turnaround as quickly as they have, but neither one of those teams, to me, seems to be a threat to a, in a Stanley Cup final versus Boston. You know, the, the, there's, there's two teams that could be a threat. One hasn't done enough yet at the trade deadline, and that's the Edmonton Oilers. They mm -hmm. added Ekholm. He's going to help them. With McDavid and Dreisaitl, you just don't know. Like if they could have, they could have a series and beat you. You know they they are that good. Evander Kane's that important to their team. He's been hurt a lot this year. If they have him in the mix, which I think he's getting healthy now, I would say look out for the Oilers. I would not be begging to play them. I, I they could come from nowhere and win the whole thing. But Colorado could have the easiest run to the final because they're in the West. The East is going to beat the crap out of each other. They're not just good teams. They have physical players on all the teams that think they have a chance to win it. And in Colorado, they're going to just mow through teams. Like, they can beat you 5 nothing, especially when they're healthy. So that might be the advantage for the Avalanche. And I really think the only true, th true threat to them is the Oilers, who they swept last year in the conference finals. Uh, but if Edmonton adds a couple more pieces here and Kenny Holland's getting older, I mean, why wouldn't he just try to go for it if he can? He's going to have to do some manipulating, no doubt about it. But those are the two teams that I, I would uh, be concentrating on if I was looking at the Western Conference. Um, what do you think of the Oilers coach? He's really good. Is he? I'm surprised. Yes. I I'm surprised you're saying that to me because yeah, when I, I watched the Bruins play Edmonton, it didn't look like they – they knew how to play defense. Yeah, there's there's issues in Edmonton right now, but he's not the issue. Um, had a chance last year in the conference finals and then on a couple of different occasions this year to get to know him. Uh, very, very smart hockey mind. Um, Well-schooled, you know, brought up by, you know, with Todd McClelland and Mike Babcock and, you know, coaches that have had some some success in the National Hockey League, Babcock winning the Cup and all the rest of that. But he's got some of his own ideas. He's a great communicator in a really difficult market in Edmonton where the microphones are around you all the time and has a real sense uh, for his team. So, yeah, I, I give him a lot of credit for how far they went last year. He uh, goes 11-7 and seven a lot and seems to know how to manage that as well. And uh, I, I actually think he's a very good coach. So I, I don't think that's a weakness for them. I would have said differently going back a couple of years ago before I kind of got a chance to watch him in action. And from the Los Angeles perspective, they pick up Gavrikov, quick as history now. Yeah. Can they make some they, noise? They can. They're quick, aren't they, they? They're quick. Like Fiala's a really good hockey player and adds to their scoring depth. Arvidsson's there. The little guy from Nashville, he's pesky and he'll chip in playoff goals. He's not afraid to go to those high traffic areas. Deneau is a very good player. Second line centerman can check anybody in the league and cause them problems. They took Edmonton to seven games last year and a lot of that had to do with, and that was without Doughty, uh, had a lot of, to do with uh, Deneau and Kopitar up the middle. So they're strong at the center ice position. You know, they don't have players that are slow anymore. They actually have speed. You know, players like Dustin Brown, uh, Tanner Pearson, you know, all those guys are no longer there. They've got some guys that can scoot, and they got some smaller players that can make some plays and cause some havoc, and their blue line is intact. Uh, Gavrikov will help them. Dowdy's healthy this year. Dursey turned into a pretty good player. Uh, they got a good mix back there. They got Edler there who doesn't mind throwing his body around. Still looks like he's got something left in the tank. They won't be an easy out now. It looks like they got at least half decent goaltending with Corpusallo. 
and Copley's had a good year for them as well. So I uh, I like Todd McClellan behind the bench. They they would be a pain in the butt to play against in a series. And the other team that you're covering tonight is the Golden Knights, and they've been a bit of a surprise being at the top of the conference. And it looks like their coach has done a pretty good job. Yeah, Cassidy's good, as you know. He, he's sharp. And their strength is their blue line, Mike. They've got a really good blue line. Like they're, I would say they're in the top three in the league as far as their, their defensemen go. Petrangelo's there. Martinez is there. McNabb is still there. Theodore's there. I mean, they've got a mix of guys that can really play the game. And I think that's kind of why they've uh, kind of hung in there, even without a proven goaltender. They're on to their second backup now, I think, in Aiden Hill. I'm not sure that the other kid's even back yet, but they're doing it, I think, as Tom said. They're doing it with some unknowns, but their blue line is well-known, and that's why they win. Mark Stone being hurt, that's going to be a problem. I think they'll use, they'll add somebody in that regard, maybe even James Van Riemsdyk from the Flyers for – a small amount, mid-round draft pick maybe, and because they have the space, they have the money available to them with Stone being on the IR. Um, so they'll they'll miss him up front, but there's enough there. There's enough there to cause problems, and they have a good coach in Cassidy that obviously is really motivated to try to get something done here. So there's only 20-some-odd games left, 22 games, I guess. Who, uh, who wins the Vezina? Allmark. No question, right? Right now, yeah. no question. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> I haven't even thought a lot about the trophies. It's funny with all the stuff that's going on with the trade deadline. I haven't even thought about most of them. It's Well, I'll give you another one to think about. The Norris Trophy. Yeah, that's so to me, Carlson's had an incredible yeah, I mean, year. Incredible year. I mean, it's like, it's unreal. And I watched, uh, I had a couple of their games, and he's just thinking the game differently than anybody I've ever seen before. Like, he's... He's had a great year. He deserves it. He deserves it on a team that does not have a whole lot. He has been uh, he's been really good. Uh, he's defended decently as well, and then he's made up for any deficiencies with incredible plays offensively on a limited uh, team that's got uh, lots of holes. He, he's been great. He, he he deserves the Norris. And Lindholm has to be in the top three. I think he's got to be. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's had a great year too. There's no doubt, no doubt. I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years either. When you know Anaheim had a good blue line for a long time, but it was hard to decipher who was good, like who was the best and who wasn't. And it's turned out that he was the best. I'm sure people in the organization knew that, but from afar, it was tough to figure out. But in Boston, there's you know there's been no secret. The guy's a heck of a player, and he came in cocky. I mean, he, yeah. he talked to talk and he walked it. I, I got to admire them for it. I was a little shaky on it, his attitude when he came in, but he's he's backed it up. Yeah, he has. Yeah, you got to you got to like that. Player wants more responsibility, wants to play in a market where hockey's appreciated. You know, coming from Anaheim, where you know he's probably a forgotten guy, just because that's what hockey in Anaheim can be sometimes. So playing in a hockey hotbed like Boston probably even gave him more motivation to, to become the player he's become. Okay, last one, MVP. It's McDavid. He's miles ahead of everybody else. Um, team success is wavering right now for Edmonton, but I don't think there's enough around him, and I do think having a healthy Evander Kane makes him that much better. And uh, I just don't see anybody that can sustain the pace that he can including his pace of play, but his pace of scoring. And he decided to score goals this year, and he's already got 50 of them. So superstars like him don't come around very often, and he is the best in the game. Okay, so we determined Boston's the best team in the Eastern Conference. Colorado is the best team in the Western Conference. Who wins the Stanley Cup? I'd be hard-pressed to pick the Bruins just because there's so many good teams in the East. Uh, It would be an easier choice to pick Colorado. Uh, with some uncertainty there because Landeskog, I'm not sure if he returns all of a sudden when the playoffs start. There's some rumblings that that could happen. Uh, Then they're a much different team, and they still have some tinkering to do. Like Boston's done their tinkering. Colorado could add a number two centerman here in the next couple of days. But I I would – the easier pick is to pick a team from the Western Conference just because there's going to be 
there's going to be a lot of things turned upside down in the Eastern Conference. And because Boston set the bar so high, Mike, the way they played this year, they forced every other team to go out and try to do whatever they can to try to beat the Bruins. And you never know if one of those teams finds a recipe and, and Boston runs into, you know, a key injury along the way. But I'd like to see the Bruins come out. They're one of my you know favorite teams to watch because they do things right. Uh, they don't just have skill. They have great quality people and leadership, and they also have toughness. Uh, they've never got away from their identity, which I think is the way to build and continue to have success in an organization. So they're one of my favorites. But I would, if I was picking a team, I would take Colorado from the West. All right, my friend. Thanks for the time. I know you got to go do some homework for your game tonight on TNT. We'll be tuning in to see Vegas and Carolina. And uh, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it, buddy. Always good to catch up with you. I look forward to it. See you, buddy. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, this is Mike Milbury for Ketchis Law. Ketchis Law Group has experienced injury lawyers who are ready to fight for you and get you what you deserve. They have won over $1 billion for their clients since 1986, and you don't pay anything unless they win. Ketchis Law Group is made up of 50 experienced attorneys and over 100 highly trained team members who truly care about your well-being and financial future. The team at Ketchis Law Group will work tirelessly to get you the results you deserve. Ketchis Law Group, where they take care of New Englanders who get hurt through no fault of their own. Call 508-321-7000 or learn more at catcheslaw.com. Okay, so Edmonton, we talked about at the end of uh, the first segment here before Keith came on, um, but that I want to just wrap up the Calgary game. This was just, you know, I mean, you could see Marchand and Bergeron. I mean, I guess Ber- uh, Marchand had hurt his leg a little bit and Bergie is no spring chicken, nor is Krejci. I mean, these guys were looked like they could barely go shift to shift. And I did notice, and Felino got hurt last night, and I hope it's not too serious, but it didn't look good serious. when he went off. So it, uh, it, we'll see what happens there. But he started, Montgomery started to lean on the, the, the back end a little bit more, which he's going to have to do in, in order to keep these guys fresh. It's the one danger sign of this roster, the couple key pieces are, are not young, Krejci and Bergeron. They're going to need to take time. And if, if defensemen have to sit, maybe a, maybe a forward like one of these guys has to sit once in a while. I know they're not going to like it, but, you know, anyway, they go into Calgary and, you know, 19 shots by the Flames in the first period. Allmark was just, again, ridiculous with timely saves. And then there's – and the new scoring machine, Dmitry Orlov, who just waltzed into the zone, zipped a couple of shots. And that second goal is actually off a of faceoff. I don't know if that was a design play, but Bergie won the puck back to the, to the point. And a one-timer by Orlov was just a, a rocket. And uh, it certainly looked – they talked about it on the air, Rick and Jack, as if it were a design play for a new player. But, I mean, it was just – it was just a beautiful. thing of beauty. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. But – you know, at two nothing, you know, you felt a little bit better, but you know, it wound up with fifty four saves by Olmark, and the Flames came back to grab a three two lead, and you know, this was clearly a game that you had to have lines three and four playing, and they got lines three and four playing, and it kind of reminded me of the Carolina game. Remember at the end of that road trip in the South? where everybody was dying. So they need to find ways to, to pick it up and they get a power play and they get a power play in the third. DeBrus takes a beating and dishes the puck off to Orlov who finds Zaka again, that name Zaka for a tap and goal that ties it up with just I don't know, five minutes to go. And then in overtime, and then it was, <laughs> it was a thing to behold when, you know, with just seconds left, Marshan puts some pressure on the on the defense. That doesn't really get a shot off. And then two flames jump behind the, the goal line to try to take him out. He comes up with a puck, finds Bergeron alone out front, feeds McAvoy for a layup goal, and game over. Lights out. They never should have won that game. They had no right winning that game. But again, they found a way to win it. And that's what's making this team so special as they come down the, down the stretch run. 
That's right. And I do want to also give a little bit of special kudos to Jake DeBrusque. He got absolutely laid out, but he took two players down with him and effectively took them completely out of that play, opened it up for the tying goal, and that was just mwah. I mean, you couldn't have written that any better if you tried. And I know Jake took a big hit on that one. I thought the bucket even might have popped off, but uh, thankfully he was okay. I do hope the same for Felino. That did look like a, a bad hit. And it looked like he kind of jittered himself into the boards after taking that contact. And with his back injury that he just finished recovering from not even a season ago, that is a little uh, a little worrisome, Mike. Well, you know, uh, I think Andy Brickley talked about it. This time of the year, you're going to find that people do get dinged up. The intensity ramps up. 22 games to go. You know that guys are playing for playoff spots. Uh, and, and right now, they're playing – either to get traded or not be traded. Um, where are we? We're on the third. We're two days away from the trade deadline. You see anything else the Bruins need? I talked to Keith Jones about it. He didn't seem to think they needed anything, but depth is always an issue, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I tell you what, though, the report out of uh, Columbus, they seem to be a little uh, a little upset that the Bruins ended up walking away from Gavrikov completely. Uh, they believe they had that deal in place for, as they quoted in the article I read, almost two weeks that deal was sitting on the table there as Bruins were trying to find a way to make the cap space happen. Ultimately, eventually, they ended up going with Orlov and Hathaway. It's not uh, it's not Don Sweeney's job to make Yarmo Kikalainen feel happy and warm and fuzzy, but you got to right. be careful when you're making a deal that you don't mislead the other manager because that, that word does get around. There's only 32 of them or However many teams are in the league now, I think I lost count, but it's just you've got to make sure that you you keep your integrity or it becomes it becomes a problem for you trying to make a deal with another guy. That's right. And uh, I'm sure it worked out well for Columbus after all. I'm sure you saw the headline early this morning. Gavrikov and some other pieces to the L.A. Kings for Jonathan Quick. Yeah, I hate to see that end of quick but it is the end but but listen they made a good deal there they made some great strides quick's not part of the future for them i thought toronto's trades were interesting i thought keith jones take on them was interesting too ryan o'reilly's a heck of a player when he gets it going he, you know he's made an impact already um shen gives them some toughness uh i'm not sure if this is going to be enough their goaltending still would be a big concern for me Defense is still a concern for me, but, you know, they can score almost that well. I, I don't want to see uh, – two teams I don't want to see the Bruins face off against earlier, Toronto and, believe it or not, the Islanders. Yep. I mean, they're their plucky team that hangs around with, with good goaltending, and, uh, you know, they can make your life miserable. But we can't pick our poison when you go into the playoffs. You just have to see what you get. That's right. I also was starting to kind of feel like whoever gets Toronto in the first round, whether it's Boston or otherwise, Mike, it's almost like, man, you better not lose this series because we have a tradition to uphold here. Toronto's first round exit means a lot to all of us. <laughs> yeah, and well, you can see that their their general manager is trying to find a way to crack that. But the team that made the biggest news by far for me was the New York Rangers, wow. who have been playing pretty well lately. They pick up Vladimir Tarasenko, and then they pick up Patrick Kane for, I thought, a, a song. I mean, the price for Kane was, you know, I didn't see any first-round picks in there, but I guess there might be some conditions attached to it. But Kane gets to go where he wanted to go, one of the teams apparently that he had said I, he would report to, and uh, maybe the only one. But to pick up a Hall of Fame winger who lately has been playing a hot hand, a very hot hand to go along with an accomplished scorer like Tarasenko. I, I've been saying this since the beginning of the season, and I've been disappointed in their play early on, but not lately, that the Rangers might be the team that's going to come out of this conference. They have all the pieces. They have the goaltending. they got good depth on defense now. They certainly have multiple warheads up front. And so I, I think anybody that has dealt the Rangers' hand early is in for a tough battle. Agreed. Absolutely and thoroughly. Uh, showtime is on and uh, breadsticks are hot. That's what I've been told in uh, my hockey circles. So it's interesting, you know, and th that's been the game in this league for the last few seasons. The trade deadline and the off seasons, 
it used to be you only see one or two pieces maybe moving across the map. Now I feel like each team has an opportunity to do a, almost a complete reset if they really want to. And that, I mean, look at all the changes we've seen in just the last 72 hours. I mean, hard to argue that one. Yeah, I, I was interested to hear Keith talk about Carolina, that they're a good team that can't find a way. I haven't lately found a way, even though they beat Boston last year. I think this is a whole different animal They're, they would face if they had to play him this time around. And Tampa, he still seems to think he's got a he's got a little thing for Tampa. And I guess you should. You should respect them. They've been a formidable opponent for a long time now. I just I just don't see them being in it for the long haul. But they keep trying. They keep adding pieces. He talked about the young guy they, they brought in and, and uh, you know, and uh, they'll never go down quietly, that's for sure. But I think they're going to go down. We'll uh, see. I get a feeling. I think we're going to be in agreement on this one. And, uh, hey, as long as the bees come out uh, on top of that one, I'm happy with that. So All right. Take it. Well, that's good, Ben. That wraps it up for me. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday after the trade deadline's over and the Bruins have a couple more wins in their pocket. Looking forward to it, Mike. Appreciate you as always. And, folks, thank you very much for listening in to Gloves Off Hockey right here on 1510 WMEX with Mike Milbury and your friend Ben Rabinovitz. Thank you so much, folks, and have a wonderful night.